If you will, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, one verse of scripture, if I may, and that would be verse number 15. He says here, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. For a few moments, I want to talk about God's unspeakable uh, Christmas gift. I'm sure that this time of the season, many of us are thinking in the forefront of our mind about the giving, exchanging of gifts, what we're going to buy for our family, what gift we're going to give to our loved one, and so forth and so on. But it always amazes me that Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate his birth, but yet on his birthday, we buy gifts for other people, and other people buy gifts for us. In reality, it is his birthday. And yet, with that being said, I think it's very important uh, that we need to celebrate the greatest gift that the world has ever received, and that is Jesus Christ the Lord. And I pray this year that we'll be able to appreciate with a new fervor within our life uh, the fact of the matter that this is a season that we celebrate God's greatest gift to the world, our Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. No matter what agnostics say or atheists say, uh, no matter what the unsaved world says or the leftist or the, or the rightist or the elitist or whomever, uh, Christ is still in Christmas. Now, in this passage that we read and you're hearing this morning, uh, the passage preceding that, uh, we see that Paul was making a plea uh, to the church of Corinth that they might receive a special love offering uh, that might be collected uh, to give to the poor Jewish saints uh, there within Jerusalem. As the apostle Paul was talking about giving a love gift to them, he was reminded of the greatest gift that he'd received and the greatest gift that God had given to the world uh, in the coming of Jesus Christ as God's gift wrapped in swallowed enclosed lying in a manger. And I believe Paul was having difficulty trying to explain uh, that great love gift that God gave to the world. And therefore he said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now friends, there are at least three truths about every Christmas gift uh, that I'd like to uh, let it serve as a basis uh, for our thinking this morning. When you think about a gift, there's the giver of the gift, there is the gift that is given, and there is the response to the one who received the gift. So this morning I want to talk about those three things, if I may. First of all, uh, the giver of the gift. Only a child would open up a gift on Christmas morning and not be appreciative of the one who gave it. Only a child would open up a gift on Christmas morning and, and, and fail to observe uh, who the giver was. I remember when our son was very small, he was spoiled uh, by all three sets of grandparents. Our pastor and wife had no kids, and they looked at him as if though they were a, a grandchild, and they lavished him with gifts. And he would open up gifts so fast and go through them, he never knew who gave him anything, and that really bothered me. So we said, slow down. Open up this gift and appreciate who it was that gave the gift to you. It's not just about receiving the gift, but it's knowing the heart and the mind and the attitude behind the one that is giving us that gift. Now, when we know who the gift is from, we can automatically determine almost what kind of a gift it's going to be. If there's someone that's really rich and very, very affluent within the world and they give us a gift, we can assume just by who they are that the gift is going to be somewhat a generous gift or at least we hope it would. But if we have a relative that is somewhat poverty stricken, uh, we're not going to expect a lavish, a generous, expensive gift from them. I believe today with that being said, there are three factors in determining the kind of gift that a giver will give. It depends upon the ability, it depends upon the wisdom, and it depends upon the love of the person giving the gift. Look at the ability of the giver. The giver of our, uh, in our text this morning is all-knowing, 
all-wise all and everywhere present at all times. He is very God. He is eternal. He owns everything. Uh, he, had the, he has the ability to give life and to give that life more abundantly. His wealth is untold. He owns everything. Men upon this earth may claim a title to a gold mine. They may claim a title uh, to a silver mine or a ruby mine or a coal mine. Uh, they may have oil wells and bank accounts and stocks and bonds, but no Nobody has everything that our God has because he owns it all. And we can be sure that our God, because of his ability, uh, because of his wealth, because of his unlimited riches, will give us a gift, as the Apostle Paul described, an unspeakable gift. So great, so grandeur, so generous, so giving was our God. It's hard to put in words just exactly what it is uh, that he gave to us today. Friend, the fact that God gave us such a gift should cause the most unemotional man and woman in the world to have some emotion about them when they see the gift that God has given us. I pray this year that we can have such a love for our God and still be so excited about what he's done for us and be so excited about the gift he's given to us that we will be as excited today as our kids and grandkids will be next Sunday morning when they open up those presents under the tree. How many of your kids or grandkids go to the tree next Sunday morning or Saturday night whenever you celebrate your gift giving and they got this morose look on their face, oh God, I gotta do this again. It's Christmas again. I've got to open up all these old presents. I don't anybody like that? Full of excitement. May God give me the same joy, the same emotion, the same feeling, the same gratitude today from my Savior as they will have next Sunday when they open up their gifts. How we think of the giver should excite me and it should excite you. Think about the love of the giver. The kind of gift that a giver will give somewhat determined by his love. A, wealth, a wealthy man will not be expected to give the same type of a gift to his maid that he would give to his wife. He may like his maid. He may have a platonic love for his maid, but it's not the same kind of love that he has for his bride or that he has for uh, the, the one that's desired of his eyes. Uh, he, he may give a, a good gift to his maid, but he's going to give a generous, extravagant, perhaps expensive gift uh, to his mate because he loves her with an everlasting love. And the Bible's filled with expressions assuring us of God's love for this world. It began back in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve sinned. God could afflict them into the regions of the damned to burn forever and ever and alienated from God and his love. But God stepped in and he made a sacrifice and that blood was a type of Christ that would be shed. The skins placed upon their body was a type of covering uh, of Christ would offer. He forgave them. And the nation of Israel, they sinned again and again and again and again. But they backslid and they backslid and they went into idolatry. They went into idolatry again and again. But God forgave them and brought them back again and again. And what about you and what about me? The times that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we've confessed our sins and he's brought us back in again and again and again. That's the type of God we have. He shows us his love by what he gives unto us. And his overwhelming love was seen the life of Jesus Christ, God incarnate as he walked upon this earth. Jesus Christ, he loved, uh, loved sinners. He lost, he loved lost humanity. He loved the down and the out. He loved the leper. He loved those that were crying. He loved those that were in sorrow. He loved those that were judged and rejected by the world and he even wept by the grave of a man by the name of Lazarus that had died. Why? Because he loved God's great love caused him to give the greatest gift of all his son to you and me. Look at, we talked about the love of the giver. 
We've talked about the ability of the giver. Look at the wisdom of our giver. The wisdom of the giver would determine, is determined by the choice of the gift. Sometimes an unwise parent could give a gift to the child or children that could bring harm or could even bring potential death to them. But rest assured, God in his great wisdom has given us a gift of his son that will bless us both in time and in eternity. He has given us a gift that will keep on giving, a gift that will never run out, a gift that fits uh, one size fits all, a gift that for any nation, any culture, any people group, it's a gift that can never be wrong. His unspeakable Christmas gift is a manifestation of his omniscience. I've known of parents that have given alcohol to their kids for Christmas potentially could make them alcoholics. I've known parents that have given uh, nicotine uh, to their kids, uh, which will harm their body. I've known parents that have given to their kids books that were, were or awful and trashy and, and toys that were inspired by demons and all types of other toys that were no good for them. And they say, I love you, when in reality, it could cause potential ruin and death and harm to them that's unimaginable. But yet we look at the giver of the gift and what we do then, we unwrap it. We unwrap that gift. We want to know the gift that's given to us by the giver. In reality, it is impossible to unwrap God's gift for us. It's impossible. How do you unwrap everything in Jesus Christ, our Lord? And yet the Holy Spirit must have realized that, and that's why I think he used the words with the Apostle Paul, unspeakable gift. It's impossible, if not difficult, to describe the wonderful gift. But let me help you try to appreciate it. Let's look at some truths here that might be helpful. A gift can be determined by four things. First of all, its intrinsic value, its, uh, its, its cost, its uh, intrinsic value, its practical value, and its lasting value. The cost of a gift. Think about this. I've heard of wealthy people giving gifts of diamonds and fur coats and mink coats. I've heard of people giving Rolls Royces to their family Rolex watches to their family, fleets of cars to their employees, expensive gifts, gold, and you name it, uh, to the family, friends, and loved ones. But no gift made by any man or woman has ever come near the gift that it cost God to give to us. He gave his only begotten son, and the only begotten son gave his life for you and me. The Bible says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There are many passages of scriptures today uh, that teach us the cost of the death of his son to purchase our Christmas gift. God might have sought to purchase us by some other means. God himself could have given us perhaps the world itself to say, I want to redeem you by giving you the world. God could have very well given unto us, if you will, a many planets that we know nothing about. He could give us Mars with all of its mystery. He could have given us Saturn with a halo. He could have given us the sun with all of its warmth. He could have given us Jupiter with all the ammonia and the water droplet rings that go around about it. God could have given us the entire universe and say, I love you, but that was too little. It was not enough. Rather, he said, I love you so much I will give you my son you've heard people in love say oh honey what do you want you want the moon I'll lasso the moon and give it to you you can't even get up there to get a rope around it but trying to express just how much love I have God does not tell us how much he loved he showed us how much he loved by giving his son into this world his love prompted him to give his very best 
his only one and his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten. We could read it today. For God so loved the world, he gave his only forgotten son. Because the world has forgotten him. The world's forgotten who he is. The world's forgotten about the love that God has shown through giving his son today. Let this sink in. Let us see the wonderful gift like it was the very first time. I pray if you get a gift this year from a loved one, family, or friend, when you open it up, just don't see the gift or the giver of the gift. But let it remind you what God gave me what God gave you. May we be as excited about Jesus when we open up our gift as if though we've seen him for the very first time. Let our hearts be filled with gratitude and let our hearts be filled with appreciation just to think that God so loved me, he was willing to pay the price by giving his son to die in my place and in yours. In his body, stripes were placed for our healing. His blood was shed that we might be forgiven. He rose from the grave that we might be justified in the name of our Lord. Now let's get another determining factor this morning that would be the intrinsic value of a gift. We know that gold is more precious than silver. Silver is more precious than copper. Diamonds are more precious than pearls. Pearls are more precious than rubies. And rubies are more precious than rocks. But friend, there is nothing with more intrinsic value than the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. the Lord. There is also a practical value of a gift. I love to fly. But if someone were to buy me a twin-engine plane, it would be no practical value to me because I fly single-engine planes. It would be a great gesture, but it's not practical. I can't use it. I can't use it. By the same token, if someone were to buy me a four-bedroom, three-bath, sunken living room, hot tub, pool table, and all the amenities in the Swift Alps as a, as a chateau uh, in the Alps, it would be, be practical for me because I couldn't go there to enjoy it. But when God chose a gift to give to the world, it fits every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every people group. Black, white, red, yellow, Heinz 57, it matters not. The blood of Jesus Christ, it works for the whole world. For God so loved the world. What a great gift. What a great gift. Many of the gifts given at Christmas only have no value, but actually can bring harm to the receiver. But God's Christmas gift to mankind, it brings indescribable blessings. The blessings are too many to cover. But let me just mention a few, if I may, this morning, uh, just in passing. First of all, the gift brings to us salvation, full and free forever. Salvation, full and free forever. I do not wake up at 3 o'clock in the night wondering, has God changed his mind about my eternal destination? I had, that I did something today that ticked God off uh, to the point he said, I've changed my mind about you. I don't love you anymore. No, when Jesus Christ shed that blood, thank God, it has now been sprinkled upon the mercy seat and glory, and now I have a genuine, guaranteed, one-way, first-class, non-stop ticket to the portals of glory when the rapture takes place because I've accepted the gift that God has given to me. And if I go by way of the grave, let me tell you, honey, there ain't no grave going to hold this body down because one day the trump of God is going to sound and when that trumpet goes off, thank God I'm going to be in the clouds of glory and my body is going to be resurrected, a brand new body fashioned like the body of the Son of the living God. Why? I've accepted the gift that God has given, His precious Son. Hallelujah. Thank God this morning that Jesus Christ has come and he's given us that light. 
The gift also brings eternal redemption as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 9 and 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. This gift also brings justification, which means just if I'd never sinned in the sight of God. There are too many of us, we've got so many skeletons in our closet and the devil opens up that door and rattles those old bones. But look what you did, look what you did. Don't argue with old Slewfoot. Say, devil, shut the door on that and let me show you the blood because what I did was there, but it's gone as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says, God himself the blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And God also brings us peace that surpasses understanding. He said, therefore, being justified with my faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, God's blood, his gift that we've accepted, we now have been rejected by hell and we have now been accepted by heaven. We no longer are going to death. We are going to life. We're no longer in darkness but we are in light. Why? Because of the gift of the Son of the living God who has come to set us free. He brings us victory this morning. His perfect gift saves all who repent of their sin and believe upon him today for the penalty of sin. And I praise God for that. Just think the blessings brought to us by his wonderful, unspeakable gift called Jesus Christ the Lord. We might even scratch the surface of all that Jesus Christ has done. But you know, the ultimate value of a gift is determined by its lasting value. Many Christmas gifts are torn up, worn out, broken, and lost before the Christmas season is over with. They're very temporary and they're transitory, but not so with God's Christmas gift. Everywhere you look in the Bible declares the life God gives to us in Christ is eternal and it is everlasting. It is eternal and it is everlasting. We are everlasting beings in that we have a beginning, but we have no ending. God is eternal in that he has no beginning and he has no ending. But we as everlasting beings have been given eternal life. His life in us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The truth of John 3.16 is expressed in a different way in John 3.18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Of the many passages that declare the lasting value of God's Christmas gift to you and me come from the mouth of Jesus. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. When a gift is received, there also comes the response of the receiver. Many people receive Christmas gifts, and many of us are guilty, let's be honest, without any gratitude and any appreciation for the gift that's been given. This is more true of men's attitudes toward God's Christmas gift than it is to the most ungrateful spoiled child. There are three factors involved in a response of a receiver towards a gift. 
the reception of the gift, the appreciation of the gift, and the application of the gift. The first response to a gift is we either receive it or we reject it. Have you ever worked hard, planned hard to give someone that gift that was from your heart? I mean, you saved and you planned and you scavenged around and you gave and you gave to give that gift. And they opened it up and they snarled their nose at you. How'd that make you feel? Ever want to take somebody out to a restaurant that you thought was a very a good restaurant? You wanted to bless the socks off of them and you, you sacrificed to go and they opened the menu and they snarled their nose at the menu? Don't that hurt? But God looks from the banister of heaven every day and he shares his gift with the world. And the world snarls their nose at him as if to say, I don't need your gift. I want nothing to do with your gift. And that's the first response in the gift. We receive it or reject it. You would think a person would be insane to turn down an expensive gift that a loved one gave to them without any strings attached whatsoever. We would think them to be insane to turn down. Friend, are people insane today when they turn down the gift of God's love, the gift of God's grace, the gift of life, the gift of eternal life, the gift of missing hell and gaining heaven? Do we think they're insane because they bypass the peace and the joy and the love and the grace and the mercy of our God? They're not insane. Their eyes have been blinded and their hearts are cold and callous. That's why we need to pray, God, open their eyes and open their hearts that they might see and behold the goodness of our God. Millions of people do this every day. Why do people reject God's gift? There's many reasons, but let me share three. Unbelief. Some reject God's Christmas gift because of unbelief. They don't believe in death and dying, and it happens every day. They don't believe in heaven or hell. They sing it away. They don't believe in eternal judgment or reward. They just act as if though it's just a fairy tale. We don't worry about those things, but friend, we better worry about those things because it is appointed a man once to die and after that there's going to be a judgment and the Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God and if you don't have a Savior when you stand before God, you and I will have to pay for our own sin and that is separated from God throughout eternity and burning to forever and ever in hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Pastor, you don't preach that way no more. That's old-fashioned. We better get back to preaching that hell is hot and heaven is good and those that don't repent. You know, I'm so sick and tired of sparing people's feelings today. We're going to offend them. Well, grow up. Put on your big boy bloomers and let's live. Amen. We're so afraid of offending people. Friend, if you're not going to tell people the truth, you won't offend people. It's not, the gospel by its definition can be offensive. It's going to make people mad. It's either turn or burn, get right or turn or, or be left. It's plain and simple. I'm not happy there's a hell, nor is God. And that's why he's given a gift for us to accept. And if we turn it down, we've rejected his love. We've rejected the offering. We've rejected the life preserver. We've rejected his only way of saving us. Sin is going to be judged. And sin will always take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you intended to stay and cost you more than you were than to pay. And that's why God said, I'm giving you my gift this Christmas. My son, who took your place, who took the judgment. If you'll call upon me, you'll be saved for time and eternity. So when you stand before God, if you've rejected the gift, you cannot justifiably point your long bony finger in the face of God and say, this is not fair. You know what's not fair? For God who did not sin 
for Jesus who did no wrong to take your place and mine that we might be able to be saved today. Others, they want nothing to do with it, the gift, because they're preoccupied. They're too busy making a living to enjoy life. They're too busy getting out of this life all that they can, not preparing for the life that is to come. And there's other people, they're just indifferent toward the things of God. They say, I'm not into this spiritual stuff. I just want to listen to my music and do my work and drink my beer and smoke my dope and be with my women and do, 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 do. That's all I want, just indifferent. That's sad. And people say, well, I'm going to let my kids make up their own mind about religion. I'm not going to take them to church. That is the only thing you'll be neutral in their life. Because you make sure that they go to school Monday through Friday. And you make sure they get their raunchy rear ends out of the bed and, and clean up the house once in a while. If you don't, you better. There's a lot of things that we tell our kids they ought to do. But friend, we cannot let them make their own mind come to things of God because there's a Sodom and Gomorrah school system in America today Amen. that are brainwashing them. They don't even know what a man and a woman is or a husband and a wife is anymore. They don't understand what it means to be straight because if you're not gay, there's something wrong with you. They're indoctrinating our kids more than they are educating our kids. And it's hard for the church and the home to resurrect what the school puts to death. So we better be actively involved in what's going on. And we better let them know about the greatest gift in all the world is Jesus Christ the Lord who himself will help us walk the straight and the narrow and be ready to stand before him. So yes, there are many people that are indifferent, sad to say. This rejection started the birth of Jesus Christ. Men on earth did not have a place for the Prince of Peace to be born. Uh, when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, uh, Job Odette did not leave on the Motel Light 6, if you will, for them uh, to have a place to go. Divine peace, divine royalty, divinity housing the man had no place to be born into this world. So they found a cave in the side of a hill and Christ was born and placed in a feeding trough. The Bible said he came to his own and his own received him not. And God's come to the world, and by and large, the world has not received this gift. It's bad enough for the world to reject Jesus Christ when he was born. Bad enough they rejected him when he had a ministry upon this earth. Bad enough they rejected him when he died upon the cross. And bad enough they rejected him when he ascended back into heaven. But friend, God pity us for the last 2,000 years when we have seen multitudes upon multitudes of people been saved, born again, and the miraculous power of God working over time. Surely no person would reject forgiveness and peace and satisfaction and joy and eternal life with the promise and assurance of escaping hell and damnation, but people reject it every day of their life. We refuse or we, we, we reject the, 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 the gift of God when we refuse to accept Christ as our Savior. We reject the Christmas gift of God when we refuse to make him King of kings and Lord of lords of our life. And in the sense, we reject him when we fail to identify with the church today. Think about that for a moment. Beloved, do not go on rejecting the greatest gift ever offered to you. Call upon the soon coming judge to be your present savior. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Now we can receive a gift and we can use a gift and really not appreciate that gift. There should be deep, deep, deep gratitude in our hearts for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And you see, friends, never, never, never should we take his love for granted. Never, never, never should we take his peace for granted. Never, never should we take his mercy and grace for granted. Never should we take him for granted, but yet we do.
With overflowing hearts of gratitude, we should always tell him and others just how much we appreciate all that he has done for us and all that he is doing for us even now. The act of appreciation, if we are really sincere, will automatically cause us to be happy and we constantly give praise, honor, and glory unto him. Now, friend, hear me. Perhaps we fail to praise him as we should in services here, but also outside these walls. You let a kid this coming Sunday open up a present. You go visit with them. You don't have to say, what did you get for Christmas? You have to shut them up because they can't wait to tell you what they got for Christmas. And you want to get on your knees and play with them. You, if you got a little easy bake oven, you're going to be making pies that you can't see for the next six months. You're going to be drinking Slurpees you can't see. You're going to have little tea parties. You can't see the tea in the cup. Why? Because they're excited. We need to be excited in this world every day of our life for what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Many of us were not afraid or inhibited to take God's name in vain before we were saved. So why are we inhibited to give him praise now that we are? Let's move on. Not only should we be appreciative to God's gifts, but that appreciation manifests itself in application on a day-by-day basis. By application, I mean we should not just use verbal appreciation. We should show in the way that we live every day that we appreciate the Lord. We witness some by what we say. We witness more by what we do. But we witness the most by who we are. And every day people should take knowledge that we have been with the Lord. The way we live for him daily. The way we give for him daily. The way we serve him day by day. It's more, it's more difficult but more helpful for us to show appreciation for what Jesus did for us if we do it in our living, our giving, and our sharing day by day. What then should be our response to God's gift? What is our response to God's gift? We know for God so loved the world he gave. We know the benefits of serving the Lord. I think the response today that I want to share can be illustrated with a simple story. There was a mother that went out with her little four or five-year-old kid, went shopping. On the way home, the little kid in the car looked at mom and said, what did you buy me for Christmas, mommy? What gifts did you get me? And the mom said, what did you get me? And he said, I have no money. Now, he didn't say that. That's what my granddaughter told me. I said, Emmy? She said, what you going to give me for Christmas? I said, I'm going to buy you nothing. You buy me nothing? You see the little crocodile. I said, look under the tree. Oh, this, this, this. I said, now look with your eyes and not your hands. I said, what you going to get me? She said, get you nothing. I said, why? I don't have any money. Well, I'm going to take what I got you back with crocodile tears. <laughs> see, kids don't understand. It's all about the giving. It's all about giving, not getting. And Christians, we can be the same way. It can be about what did so-and-so give us. We don't remember what he gave us. But anyway, this mother was riding down the road. The little boy said, Mama, uh, what did you buy me? What did you buy me? She said, Honey, what did you buy me? And he bowed his little head. He said, Mama, I want to give you myself. Mama, I want to give you myself. Little wonder the tears began to grow down Mama's face when she thought, What else could I want for Christmas but the heart of my child? And what mother does not want the heart of her child? And what heavenly father not not want the heart of his creation? You and me, he gave himself. 
I believe there's nothing else that would bless the heart of God this year for Christmas than you and me giving our lives wholly to him, lock, stock, and barrel. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for the wrongs that I have done. I crown you as Lord of my life, and for the rest of my life, I will seek to serve you with all of my ability. Lord, I give my life to you. Beloved, will you do that now? The reason for the season is Jesus came to this world. Think how very few people include Jesus in Christmas gifts. We remember our friends. We remember our family. We remember our loved ones. I thank you for the gifts and cards that you expressed to my wife and myself. But we all forget about Jesus, and that's wrong. Let's put Jesus at the top of our Christmas list. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The giver of the gift is God. And the gift, he shows us his ability. He shows us his wisdom. And in his gift, he shows us his love. The gift that he gave cost him something this morning. It has intrinsic value, practical value, lasting value. And how are we going to respond to his gift? We receive it or we reject it. We can be appreciative or we can be filled with ingratitude. We can apply the gift to our life and be saved or we can ignore the gift and be lost. What does it mean to be lost? Perhaps on this side of eternity, we'll never understand what it means to be lost. If I lose my car keys, I understand the ramifications of that I'm stuck wherever I'm at. If I lose my cell phone, I know I'm out $1,000 or so, and I can't communicate because those things are a world today. But if I lose an eye, that brings on a different depth of loss. If I lose my ability to talk, that brings it to a whole new ball game. If I lose a limb or a leg, we know what that means. If we lose a mom or a dad to death, we know what it means. A child, we know what it means. Lose a spouse, we know what it means. But to lose our salvation, what does that mean? We sometimes don't appreciate and truly understand and comprehend what it means to be lost. But God did. And because he saw the world lost, he said, I'm going to do something to fix it. I'm going to come and find them. I'm going to seek and save that which is lost. I'm coming to the sick. They need a physician. I'm coming to the lost sheep. They need a shepherd. I'm going to show them the way out of hell back into heaven, the way out of death back into life, and the way out of light, uh, darkness into light itself. And that's why Jesus stepped out of eternity into time to redeem us in time to be ready for eternity. And that's why the Son of God became the Son of Man, that we as sons and daughters of men might become the sons and daughters of God. And the greatest gift in the world was wrapped in swaddling clothes as God said, here's my gift to you. And the greatest gift we can give back to him is not turn over a new leaf and make God promises that we can't not keep. The greatest gift we can give to him is not saying, I'm not going to do this today, but I'm going to start it up again tomorrow. But the greatest gift we can give to him is give him our lives. Say, here I am, Jesus. That, my friends, is the gospel in a nutshell. And my question is, what will you do with God's gift to you? What will you do with Jesus?